I'm Mosaic. Well, it's certainly true that this season has families spending a lot more time together as both Katie and Jesse shared in their stories. As I've gone throughout this season and even being together a lot more with my own family, I find myself sometimes thinking back to when I was a child, what would it have been like had my siblings and I and my parents had to go through a season like this. I have a couple pictures here. This one is from 1974, 75, I'm going to guess. Uh, that's me, the little guy right there standing in front of my dad uh, next to the family dog. And uh, that's my older sister and brother and my mom there. And uh, I actually have three older siblings. Uh, one sibling passed on a car accident right before I was born. I look forward to meeting her someday. Um, here's another picture, 1984. That's me there behind my mom. Look at that hair parted down the middle. Wow. Um, I'm 11 years old right there, getting ready to enter into adolescence. I was probably uh, around that time in my life learning how to penny roll my jeans so I could have the cool 80s look uh, going on. That was so important. Um, and certainly, uh, I know just... Thinking about how I would have been spending time, I can imagine my siblings and I maybe being on the front porch and just spending extended hours together playing this strategy board game Risk. I can imagine our friends gathering out on the street out front and playing games of wiffle ball together for uh, hours into the night. And as any mom knows that when siblings get along and, and like life is working, man, moms celebrate that. And it can be really hard when moms see that siblings aren't getting along together. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the moms today. Uh, we are so thankful to you. Unfortunately, I think Jesus was a little bit of a downer um, when it comes to Mother's Day. I'm always reminded of that crazy story in the Gospels where um, Jesus, he's being crowded by a large crowd of people and Someone comes to Jesus and says, hey, your, your mother and your brothers, they're outside. They want to see you. Uh, and Jesus, with such deep love for his mother and his brothers, says, well, who's my mother and my brothers? <laughs> uh, after all, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and do it. Oh, Jesus, not a way to earn brownie points with your mom. Um, nonetheless, what Jesus is doing is he's helping us understand that really at the heart of God, uh, God is desiring to bring together a brand new human family made up of all nations, all kinds of stories, all kinds of background, uh, bringing these people together and learning how to be a people of peace, a people that receive the peace of God that God has extended to all of humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But then that, that this new human family would actually be a family that extends peace to one another, but then also to the world around them. Um, speaking of 1984, like I was just a little while ago, uh, one of my favorite songs at that time, Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And uh, maybe you can hear the tune in your head now, but the song was written during the Cold War era uh, at the height of it, you know, between USA and USSR, and it speaks to the tensions that are present there, but it also speaks to just the, the tension inside all of us, right? The desire to, to control others the desire to see 
our agenda accomplished in our desired time, in our desired way. And certainly the church, unfortunately, this new human family that God is bringing together has been guilty of I'm just abusing power in all kinds of destructive ways, which is why it's so necessary for us to be looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, this letter that many call the, the pinnacle of all of the letters written to the churches. And at the heart of this letter is a narrative of peace, a narrative of peace that that God is extending to all of humanity, but then a narrative of peace that that Um, is being created among us by God's Spirit that we extend to one another, but then also to the world all around us. And this is why I I love the church. As much as I I sometimes say, why am I a part of this crazy thing called the church? Because I can look around and just see the mess of it all, but God doesn't give up on His church. This is His family that He's faithfully united in himself too. He's a part of us and he's inviting us to step into this narrative of peace that he's creating. And I love it because church, we get to be this together, this people of peace, extending peace to one another, but then also extending that peace to the world all around. And last week, if you joined us, we said we're going to start walking through this letter backwards. We started at the very end, Romans chapter 16 and Paul is commending to us our sister Phoebe. Those are the words he uses to these these Roman people that he's writing to. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. And so here's this Jewish patriarchal male commending this uh, sister of his. But then he says this sister is our sister. So Paul is already breaking down these unhealthy systems of privilege and power. Paul mentions 24 different names in chapter 16, most we know nothing about. And they were a part of these five different house churches. And and Paul is helping them understand that they have this opportunity in the midst of this vast empire where there are so so many unhealthy forms of privilege and power that these people have the opportunity to be a people of peace in the midst of this, dismantling all of this evil privilege and power. And as they learn how to greet one another with a holy kiss, this this greeting that's set apart, recognizing this, this new human family that God is creating in Christ, that as they live that calling out together, this is how God is at work in the world. Now today we're gonna we're gonna get into some nitty-gritty, chapter 14 and 15 and of course, you know, any family, there's siblings who aren't getting along. And so already here, Paul is going to be addressing kind of this situation where in this new human family that should be about peace, receiving peace from God, extending peace to one another so that they can extend peace to the world around them. It just isn't happening. And there's this battle that's developed between the strong and the weak. Now, to give some context in this battle that's developing between the strong and the weak, the strong are um, really made up of of Roman Gentiles, non-Jews, who have no problem eating food and enjoying drink of every kind, even if this food may have been meat that was 
sacrificed to idols by those who who um, prepared the meat and then sold it in the market because these strong understand that whatever was done there, they're receiving this knowing ultimately that this has been provided by God, the source of their life. And so they're giving thanks back to God. They realize that, that what God has done in the world through this new King Jesus, it's not a matter of what we eat or what we drink, but it's, it's really just receiving everything with thanksgiving. And so th- those are the strong. There's also this other group of people who, they're the weak, and for all practical purposes, the weak would have been the Jews living in this Roman, Gentile, non-Jew world. Now, they come from a whole story, a whole history of being in covenant relationship with God, being rescued from Egypt those many centuries ago, and God giving them the, the Torah, a way of life, a rule of life that invited them into living in relationship with God. And of course, a part of the Torah was a lot of um, rules and regulations of how we and how they were to interact with, with food and with drink. Now, even then, it's not all that clear cut because the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, actually identifies himself as one of the strong. So even though he's a Jew... He's living as one of the strong because he had gone through this process of realizing, okay, what God has done in the world now through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it's not a matter of living in step with what we eat and what we drink, but it's a matter of living in step with the Spirit among us. Um, But certainly there would have been those Romans, those Gentiles who maybe were a part of offering food sacrifice to idols. And as they step out of that kind of polytheistic idol worship into a relationship now with the one true God, they themselves maybe would have identified more with the weak saying, we need to get out of that system. And I want to read for us a few words from Romans chapter 14 that help kind of set up the tension between these two groups of people. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, Welcome those who are weak in the faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain. And those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall. And they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Fast forward to verse 10 of Romans 14. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. So you've got the strong despising the weak. You've got the weak passing judgment on the strong. And you've got this tension in this family here. And of course, you know, thankfully we don't deal with these tensions in our world anymore, right? I I don't see people despising other people. I don't see people passing judgment on other people. Who are we kidding, right? We see this all the time. 
That's why I believe this letter is so necessary for us in the midst of our world today. And unfortunately, this new human family that God is creating in Christ, which which should be extending peace to one another as they've received peace from God, they're excluding one another. They're despising one another. They're, They're passing judgment on one another. They're really crucifying one another. Their lives are not empowering the other in their place in the family of God. And Paul is saying, God wants none of this. He wants none of this. And ultimately what the Apostle Paul is going to do is he's going to help us understand that at the, at the core level here, this really isn't even about food or drink. Even in our world today, you know, much of the tension that we feel, much of the, the despising of one another, much of the, um, the passing judgment on one another, it's, it's over these surface issues. But, but below the surface, it really isn't about food and drink or, or these other things. It's, it's really about power. Because that's what we all crave. Power over others. Privilege over others. The ability and the the position to call the shots over others. To see the story play out in the way that we feel it needs to play out. Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul says this. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong, and the word here that the Apostle Paul uses for strong is the word dunatoi, a Greek word. And the word that he uses for the weak is adunatoi, so a meaning kind of without. So so the strong and those without strength, dunatoi and adunatoi. And that word sounds a little bit, because it is, where we get our word dynamite. That's where our word dynamite comes from. And dynamite certainly has this this power in it. So you you get the sense of what the Apostle Paul is inviting us into, that there's a deeper understanding here, that ultimately this is about power. And the Apostle Paul is saying, in all of these situations of tension, conflict, despising, passing judgment, Paul's saying, here's the way we need to move forward. Those with power ought to put up with the failings of those without the power and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself. Now, Could you imagine if, if we could really work this out in our lives, in our households, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our world, where we can work this out that that we understand those who have the power, those who have the privilege, those who have the home turf, those who have the the structure in their favor, that they don't use this for their own benefit, but they actually use this to, to empower those who don't have the power. How transformative would that be for our lives, for churches all around the world, for our neighborhoods, for the world around us? The Apostle Paul is saying, 
Let's go back to Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. Verse 19 of chapter 14. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let us us pursue peace. Pursue what makes for peace. In any pursuit of power, a craving for power, a craving of calling the shots, a craving of of despising others or passing judgment on others, this has no place in the new thing that God is doing in the world. Here's the reality, Mosaic. Man, I mean, as a humanity, we, we all come from different backgrounds. We come from different stories. In the church, we come from different faith expressions. We're all working through a history and a story of some sort. And we're, we're people. We're not, we're not labels that we can just slap on others to, to quickly dismiss them. Uh, we're so much more complex than that. And yet there's one spirit working a narrative of peace around us. And will we pay attention to that narrative of peace that God's spirit is working in our midst? Will we lean into each other's stories? Will we listen and, and, and will, we, will we hear how we've all been abused by unhealthy forms of power? Will we realize maybe ways that we ourselves are abusing others through, through privilege and power that we have? Will we discern together how we can dismantle all of those forms of privilege and power and allow God's Spirit to create in us a new narrative of peace that ultimately we would be a people saying, what does it mean to seek to build the other up? And this has to happen in the context ultimately of our relationships together. And so again, this is what I love about the church. The church is this this powerless entity in the world. And and it has to be a powerless entity because once the church tries to grab a hold of power, we miss out on our calling. But if we're this powerless entity working in the church, we realize that there's actually a power from God in being powerless. And the only privilege that we seek is the privilege to serve one another and honor one another and welcome one another in love. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. And the reality is this. Christ welcomes each of us just as we are. Not only does he welcome us as we are, Jesus pursues us and seeks us and comes after us like a good shepherd does to rescue us just as we are. And he brings us into this new human family to say, hey, let's go on a journey together. Let's go on a journey together of what it means to become the people of God, to be a people who receive the peace of God, the love, grace, forgiveness of God, so that we can become for one another and for the world what God is for us. Mosaic, this is, this is the beautiful story that we get to live. And I don't want us to miss that. 
So that's why we're taking this long journey through this letter of Romans. And my hope for you this week is that you would perhaps just take time and and realize maybe there's um, certain things going on in your life right now where you're despising others. Maybe you're passing judgment on others. And we need to take a long, hard look and say, what does it mean to, to ultimately, yes, stand for what God stands for, but how do we embody this with one another? That as we learn to be the church together, a people of peace together, welcoming one another, that God uses that to bring a slow healing to the world around us. And that's what you and I get to be for one another, but also for the world. Someone say grace and peace to you. Um, I hope that you continue to move forward through this time, uh, experiencing just um, even in the stretching, even in the hardship, God doing a good work in you and all around you. And we'll keep you informed as to how we're going to keep moving forward as a church. Uh, But for now, let's celebrate the opportunity that we have to be a people welcoming one another just as God has welcomed us.